I'm alive and well. Thank you. Uh, many of you were praying for me last week. I got a lot of phone calls and texts and emails. Uh, yeah, whole family got sick, but we are we're healthy now. So this is good. Um, every once in a while, uh, I get to tell you something that is just incredible. And uh, I have one of these stories for us today, uh, really being able to see the hand of God in a really unique way over the past couple months. So a lot of you know that I was on the Uganda missions trip. Uh, a number of us went out from here, a short-term trip. Uh, when, when we were there, uh, I had about half of the university students that we sponsor. We sponsor a number of these students. And uh, Steve Binney, the leader of our GO team, had half of the university students. And I had the other half of these students. And so uh, during this retreat, spent a lot of time with them. And a couple things became very apparent uh, throughout the week. And one of them, one of the harder things uh, to hear, uh, just as a leader and as uh, someone on this end, is that most of, of my students uh, actually had their sponsorships dropped uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, it's, it wasn't our fault on this end. There's a lot of reasons. Just financially, uh, they weren't in school this semester. Uh, the money wasn't quite there. And again, I'm, I'm not going to tell you all the details of why that happened, but it became a very apparent that there's a need to kind of figure this out. And so it kind of became a personal prayer of mine and uh, I think a go team prayer as well that uh, we'd figure out a way, how do we get the, these students uh, back in school? And so I started praying, okay, Lord, uh, we want to get these students uh, back at it. And uh, one of the goals that we had during this kind of three weeks, we talked about this a couple of months ago, maybe January, February, was that we would kind of make it uh, a big, well-known thing that these students uh, need sponsorships. Well, we also know that we're kind of going through a, a bit of a hard time financially. So we made the decision, you know, it's probably not the best time right now to, to make it known that there's this big need. And it's a, it's a significant need. Uh, by the time you reach the university level, you're talking about $1,500 a year to sponsor them. And, and that's no small task. But I'd hoped and prayed that, you know, between primary, secondary and university students, perhaps we could sponsor an additional 20 students. And again, we talked about this. Maybe we'll, we'll put a big poster on the wall and, you know, who knows? Let's, let's try to figure out how we can sponsor this. But uh, being wh where we are right now, we decided let's, let's not make a big push. Well, here, here's kind of the exciting piece that I get to share. Uh, during these past couple weeks, um, a couple people have sacrificially given to the Timothy program in numbers that I, I can't say right now, but that are staggering. Um, not only did we have enough money um, to get these students sponsored, uh, there was enough money given that every single college kid that, that we're looking at on our list uh, can be funded this year, but also can complete through graduation. So praise God. And, and, we, and no one asked. Like, I didn't get up here and say, uh, look at the poor pictures and here's the faces. We really need to give money. We didn't do that. Um, you guys just stepped up and gave and praise God. Um, it, it is beautiful. And so uh, it, it'll be fun uh, to be able to kind of watch this happen. Now, now I, I just said that. Now you have a part to play in this. A couple of you wrote some massive checks, but here's, here's a part for a couple more people to play. Um, one of the pieces is, is the financial piece. They need that to be in school. They need that for food and for uh, supplies. The other piece of that, which I'm told is equally as important, 
is a sponsor from the U.S. to connect with. Uh, we're talking someone to write letters a couple times a year and someone who's committed to praying for this individual. So right now, here's, here's our problem. We have a whole lot of money. We can, we can pay for these kids to go to school, but we need uh, 10 or 12 different people, families, to basically sign up and say, you know what, until this student graduates college, I will be an advocate for them. I will be committed to praying for them. I'll be committed to writing them a couple times a year. Um, so I'm, I'm asking you, if, if that's something that you think that you could possibly do, on a connection card, you got those in your seat in front of you, uh, if you use the offering box, put that in the offering box. Give it to an usher. Bring it to myself. Uh, we, we really need uh, that piece. It's equally important. The money is super important. The money's already there. We're not asking for you to sponsor additionally. We're asking you to simply be uh, a connection, to be a face for that person. So praise God. That's, it's beyond exciting. I, I was in tears when I heard that because I've been praying uh, silently for this for months. And God provides. So that's great. Um, a couple other things, just real quick. In two Fridays, uh, it is Good Friday. We're going to be doing something a little bit different this year. Uh, I, I don't think we've done this in the past. Uh, we're actually going to be watching The Passion of the Christ here. Um, so from about 7 to 9, there, there will not be child care. Uh, we're going to come in. It's going to be quiet. Lights will be down. We won't talk. We'll simply uh, have the video start uh, maybe 7.05. Uh, afterwards, there will be communion stations. Possibly uh, we'll have the cross set up and just give you a time to respond and reflect on your own. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing for Good Friday. I'd highly encourage you, if you can make it, make it. It's, it's a powerful piece that puts you face-to-face uh, with crucifixion. And so um, that will be on Good Friday. Last but not least, good friend of mine, Tom White. Tom, why don't you come up here uh, in just a second. I'm going to say some things about you. <laughs> Tom, uh, many of you know Tom White. Uh, again, a good friend of mine. When I, when I first got here, uh, I asked the senior pastor, you know, who, who are kind of the movers and shakers in our church? I want to I meet these people individually. And Tom was on that short list. And so it wasn't long till uh, my wife and I were at his family's house playing some bocce and, you know, having a little cookout down below and uh, praying with them. Love this family, just doing some incredible things for the Lord. Uh, I hear they have decent kids, too. So, uh, Tom, he... <laughs> this is great. Tom, uh, basically, uh, it was, I would say, on, on the ground level at stirring up uh, unity amongst cities through churches and through prayer. Uh, has been an integral part in the city of Corvallis and uh, some of the things that have happened through that. You'll hear about some of that today. Um, but, but travels worldwide, uh, worldwide uh, to gather people for, uh, I'll use a big word like Tom likes to use, catalytic kingdom leaders. He, he likes that. He's, he's into these crazy words. Um, yes, and, uh, and, and really get to see on the, first, the, the front lines, Get it? Front line. That's his ministry. On the front lines, uh, what God is doing around the world. So uh, we've got Tom. I'm going to bring you up here right now. Tom, come on up. This is Tom White. You know him. Give him a hand. We also have some lovely guests. We have some lovely guests who uh, Tom will bring up uh, in their time. So, Tom, take it away. Fantastic. Well, good morning, church. As I think you know by now, this is week number three of a special uh, Go Team uh, emphasis. Uh, Jeremy, enjoyed your piece last week a lot. It was very informative and uh, good to have you back. 
Um, as uh, you know, Josh probably didn't say this, but somewhere about you know between three and four decades ago, this gets into the ancient archives of Northwest Hills history. I was on staff here as the executive pastor, hey, what's and then I launched Frontline Ministries. What was that? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, all right, Josh, we'll check with you later. So uh used to be on staff, and then uh, the Lord led uh, Terry and me to launch Frontline Ministries in 1983. So for about the last 25 years, uh, we, we've been engaged, and Josh used some, some good language, some good words, helping catalyze or help, helping birth increased unity, uh, increased love among leaders, kingdom leaders in particular cities, also catalyzing an increased measure of prayer, I believe that no lasting fruit occurs apart from the power of prayer and uh, the power of the Holy Spirit released through prayer. Thirdly, uh, for the last 25 years, we've been engaged in many cities and nations around the world, uh, uh, helping leaders collaborate together with a common mission to reach the city. So uh, now when I say the word missions, what comes into your head immediately? Probably something like people being sent to go somewhere else. Out there, let me just say that, missions often stirs up this, this understanding out there. We're going to talk this morning about right here and about what it means to be on mission in our own city, in our own context. So we're, we're familiar with Jesus' charge to his disciples. These were his last words recorded in the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're here today talking about our own Jerusalem. So uh, over the last uh, 25 years, uh, as, as, I've, as I've said, uh, Terry and I feel very much sent out by you as a congregation. Now, probably most of you here wouldn't even know that this morning because we've been here a long, long time. We have felt sent out by this congregation and sent out by the city as ambassadors. And so what we're going to be describing and some of the people you'll be hearing from this morning have been building a culture of honor among leaders, uh, a culture of honor between congregations in our city and organizations uh, in our city. There have been leaders very much committed to building a culture of prayer uh, across our city, and that's taken many, many different forms. I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment. And there have been a lot of leaders involved here since 1991, involved building this whole matter of collaboration. Uh, King David, Psalm 133, said a rather astounding thing. He said, what a beautiful thing it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Now, David was writing to a divided kingdom. He's writing to people, there's the north, there's the south, there had been political division, there had been division over issues. These folks had stuff. Uh, anyone in your world have stuff on occasion? Differences with other believers or differences between theological perspectives. But David said, what a beautiful thing it is when brothers and sisters come and dwell together, even when you've got issues. It's very much like, you know, many of your parents, grandparents here this morning, you listen for the sounds of your kids being happy, right? If they're playing by themselves, you know, little siblings, or if they've got some other kids over, you know, parents listen for and watch for sounds of their kids being happy. Abba, Father, is very much the same. Is grieved, I believe, uh, when we uh, criticize one another, uh, when we're, uh, you know, at, at odds, and we're never going to agree on everything. 
That's just an obvious reality. But we can honor one another and prefer one another in the love of Christ. So um, I want to give you context this morning. We're going to be looking at being on mission in Corvallis. But I want to take you to Siliguri, India. And uh, this is a really unique spot. It's in the northeastern part um, of India. If you were to stand on a high building, and I have many times in Siliguri, you can, you can see the city of Darjeeling up on the mountain. You can see the country of Nepal. You can physically see the nation of Bhutan, strong Buddhist stronghold nation. You can also visibly see Bangladesh, which is an, a, a, an Islamic uh, predominantly nation. And so this is a nexus of cultures. And uh, so I want to tell their story. 2005, I was invited to come and, and do a leaders prayer summit with them. That's just bringing leaders together in the same room, about 60 uh, men and women. As happens, David says, when brothers and sisters dwell, something happens. God commands blessing. When we actually decide, to, okay, we're going to pray together, we're going to be together, God pours out blessing. That happened in 2005. I went back two years later, and they had a regional gathering of leaders up in Darjeeling, beautiful city, up really close to Nepal, about 100 leaders this time. I have to say it was the most extraordinary prayer meeting I have been in in my life. I can't find words to describe what was happening when these, when these leaders in this region from different theological streams and perspectives came together. There was an outpouring of the commanded blessing of God. That was 2007. And I said to the leaders of Siliguri in this city, and we'll go to the next slide, and you can kind of see where they are. And uh, this is very near Kalimpong. About, Kalimpong is two hours to the northeast where my daughter, Melissa, is currently serving. And she's exploring this as a possible long-term assignment. So these are the, some of the men and women. And I said to them, you know, uh, I would just encourage you to pray weekly. Come together weekly and pray for your city, thy kingdom come, that will be done in Siliguri. So they did that. So then I went back in 2009, and uh, we had another summit gathering, and they were moving forward. They were praying together regularly. Uh, and then I came another two years later in 2011. And I said, what's going on? You know, what's current? What's the latest? Here's, here's what they said. We were together praying on a Saturday morning, and the Holy Spirit said, throw a party for the city government. Do an appreciation banquet for the predominantly Hindu government. And so they said, well, if this is really what you want us to do, we'll obey. See, the, these folks have learned a very simple thing, to listen to God together, right, out of a covenantal relationship of love, and just obey when the Holy Spirit speaks. And so they said, okay, we'll do this banquet. They mobilized people in the congregations, the best food. You know, they got a wonderful meeting hall, and they just blessed the city. And uh, so toward the end of this evening, the mayor of Siliguri, a small little burg, by the way. It's only 2.5 million. I mean, in India, that's just like a backwater burg. And the mayor comes up to Joshua and he says, well, aren't you going to talk? Aren't you going to say something? You know, who are you folks? And so Joshua had an opportunity to speak to the highest level of leadership of that city and to proclaim the word of the gospel. Okay, That was, two, that was 2010. So I come a year ago, June 2013. I said, okay, what's happening now? What's the latest? And I got with Daniel, Enos, uh, and Joshua. We sat down, and they said, well, this is what happened. We prayed on another Saturday morning after this banquet had happened, and the Lord said, proclaim the gospel to the whole city. They went to the city government. They got a permit, and they said, you need security guards 
This is going to be a dangerous event. You don't do these things publicly without security. They said, don't worry about the security. They believed them. They had no security guards. They got a big tent. They brought in someone to speak in the local language. And the most resistant people to the gospel are West Bengalis and Biharis. A young teenage girl, a Bihari uh, woman, this is is like the lowest caste folks in India, brought 80 young women to the Young Life meeting in preparation for this meeting. And out of this open tent revival type gathering, hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of West Bengalis and Biharis came into the kingdom of God. And that's not all. Listen to this. Every, Every year in most cities in India, there's a festival called Puja. Miserable time to be a Christian in India. It's like the air is filled with demons. They worship ancestor spirits. An oppressive time. The committee, the Puja committee that had been in existence 100 years, they were watching this, this revival meeting. They were watching the responses. They came to the local Christian leaders and said, we are canceling Puja this year. We are disbanding our committee and we're giving you our entire budget. We want you to put on a Christian worship celebration in the central business district with dancing. (laughs) What's that about? The the, the believers were so happy during the worship times in this open meeting, these Hindu leaders were looking at this saying, hey, in Puja, everybody gets drunk. You know, people get hurt, people get killed. This is amazing. So they asked them at Christmas time to come and do a Christmas drama. My friends, this is breakthrough. This is the coming of the kingdom. This is God's commanded blessing when leaders decide to walk together and pray together. It's beautiful. Now, I want you to know this morning that this is happening worldwide. If we can just take a look. These are just some of the cities that I'm engaged with. I know these leaders personally from from Mumbai to Calcutta, Nairobi, uh, Cairo, Dubai, London, Berlin. Did you know one of the most powerful meetings like this in a city is in Berlin, Germany? They call it Together Berlin. And they're beginning to see more and more of these people groups that have come into uh, Berlin come to the Lord. So this is happening worldwide. And my next opportunity for this, and if we can go there, my first time in Uganda. Uh, Josh, your report was fantastic, encouraging. So I want to ask you to pray with me, if we could look at this. Uh, My first time in Uganda, pray the last day of April and the first three days of May. If you take away nothing from this morning from my piece, just pray for God's blessing to fall on these leaders in Gulu. It's the north of Uganda, maybe a couple hundred kilometers from where Val and Waffle are, but it's one of these gatherings, and I ask you, I invite you to pray that what happened in Siliguri in India in a similar manner would happen in Gulu in the north of Uganda. And uh, then I go from there to uh, Pretoria, South Africa. That's actually just before um, uh, heading up to Gulu. And that's connecting with a lot of these leaders from these city movements around the world. So here's the deal. Here's what's happening. Uh, Men and women around the world in leadership positions are asking this question. What must we do together that we can't do on our own? And they're walking in the Psalm 133 commanded blessing and favor of God. Now, let me bring this back to Corvallis. And I'm going to bring up some of my three best buddies here locally in just a moment. Um, Jesus charged to his disciples in Matthew 28. Again, very, very clear, very specific. He says, go and disciple the nations. Now, that word 
actually is ethne. It does not mean geographically defined nations with borders. That word ethne means people groups, language groups. And I just want to highlight here two significant changes that have occurred in Cormalis, our city, over the last 40 years. There's many, but I'll just mention two. Number one, the world has come to our doorstep, right? Now, you can walk at Freddy's, you can go to Winco, walk down Monroe Street. I mean, you see different uh, clothing, different garb, different languages. I mean, sometimes at Freddy's, it's like, where's the English around here anymore? This is happening in your classrooms, those of you who are teaching. This is in workplaces. Uh, in Jordan, in a moment, I think it's going to talk about the alarming you know, rise of foreign students who are landing in our, in our city. Phenomenal. So we have opportunity to mix shoulders with those from these other nations. Second big change, second big change, uh, is that the congregations and organizations of our city have walked together uh, for some 25 years. The prayer summit that happens at Cannon Beach every year in February, 25 years. It is the largest and longest-running prayer meeting of leaders of its kind in the world. Okay? I'm a prayer guy. I'm in and out of different places. Okay? And so that then, 1991, 1999, we established a leadership team for Corvallis. These are men and women that just steward this kind of a vision going forward. Uh, and, and then in 1999, there was a re- retreat and. Many of the leaders of the city's congregations, 27, said, we're going to cancel services on Easter Sunday morning. We're going to close our doors and worship together as a visible witness of the unity that we've been walking in. 11,000-plus filled Gill Coliseum. Uh, and at the time, I met with uh, you know, the Catholic bishop locally. We talked about John 17. He rearranged Easter Sunday Mass, the Catholic Mass, to release his people to go to Gill Coliseum. Phenomenal time. The high water mark, I believe, in our city. We raised an offering of $64,000, gave it to the city uh, on the National Day of Prayer. And, and, you know, the council members, the mayor just stood there saying, like, where did you folks come from? They used the money to finish a, a homeless shelter and to fund an at-risk program for kids in our schools. So the way the city of Corvallis views the church changed in the year 2000. And so we've been walking in this favor and this kind of relationship ever since. Thursday prayer, the leaders of our city, of our congregations pray every Thursday. We invite the mayor in. We invite school board superintendent, the police chief, the fire chief, and to say, how can we pray the blessing and the favor of the Lord on our city? This is what we're about. And now there's ministry affinity networks. Did you know that a lot of the worship pastors of our city meet together, write songs, worship many of the youth pastors, CE directors, Kurt's been a part of this, Kim Simmons over at Suburban Church. And so they also are asking these questions, what, what can we do together more effectively in our city than just on our own? So I'm going to wrap up. I want to bring this back to your doorstep. And uh, I want to bring you the word of the day. Here's the single scripture, if we can look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm just going to give a little bit of a preface for what these three individuals are going to be sharing with us in a moment. So uh, Peter says this. He uses Hebraic language. He says, you're like a living house being built stone upon stone. You are. These are the words of Peter. If we we can go there, John. um, You are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're a people belonging to God for this purpose, to declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into light. 
So the word is declaration of the good news. That's what we are to be about. This is not specially trained clergy. This is not special commando forces. This is you. And in the Lord, I want to say to you this morning, you are on mission in the city of Corvallis to rub shoulders with the ethne, the people groups of, of the world that are coming here to our doorstep. The first word, proclamation, declaration. Second word, demonstration. You're going to hear in just a moment a lot about demonstrating uh, the compassion of Jesus by touching broken, needy lives. So you, my friends, are on mission. And I want to bring to you uh, here in just a moment three other very special individuals on mission in their own way and in their own ministry. Would you pray with me? Father, open our ears to hear what you are saying. As we listen to Corey, to Jordan, and to Matt share what you are doing in our own city, open our eyes to see Corvallis as you see our city. And, Father, break our hearts in a fresh way, in a deeper way, for what breaks your heart when you look over the city. We ask this in the name of the King of the Nations, the Lord whom we love and serve, Jesus. Amen. I want to invite all three. This is Corey Latimer, Director of Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, and Jordan Heater, uh, working on campus with Frontiers, and Matt Kimmel, Southside Youth Outreach. So, Corey, we welcome you. And uh, we are honored that you're with us and share what the Lord's doing through Love, Inc. For those of you who might not know me, um, I actually grew up here in this community. Um, I uh, moved here in eighth grade, grew up in a military family, went to Sheldon High uh, Middle School, Crescent Valley High School, and Oregon State University. Go Beavs! And um, and then grew up here in this congregation, actually, with my family for ten years. And now my husband and I go to Grace City Church, and we've been going there for about five years. Uh, but for me, uh, this is truly my home church. And you guys, uh, looking around at so many familiar faces who watched me grow up at age 13 to now, um, it's such a privilege and honor to serve in this capacity of executive director of Love in the Name of Christ. So, um, how many of you have heard of Love Inc. before? Great. Great. So a good number. So for those of you who may not know, uh, Love in the Name of Christ is a shared ministry of 50 churches from across Benton County that work to meet needs of the community. Uh, So in a little nutshell, I always say it's um, helping churches help people. And so our, our mission statement is to help mobilize local churches to transform lives and communities in the name of Christ. And uh, a verse that I would like to share with you that really kind of explains a little bit more of our role that we play here is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the te- pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
So Love, Inc., we get to act as the, the f- equipper, the facilitator, mobilizer, coordinator, and connector of the need in the community. And the body of Christ, uh, our 50 partner churches, you all are the hands and feet. And so there are three reasons why I believe that we have been called here to this community. Um, the first is to promote unity and awareness across the body of Christ. I'm just emphasizing what Tom was talking about of the importance of unity. Um, we get to be uh, that representation out in the community. We're invited to a lot of city tables. So, for instance, we're on the um, Homeless Advocacy Committee, which is chaired by the mayor and the county commissioners, um, the Oral Health Coalition and the adult services team. Um, And oftentimes when I'm out making presentations in the community, um, I've had a couple people come up afterward and say, do you guys really work together? And I get to say, yes, yes we do, and we love each other, and we love it, and we love to serve our community in this way. Um, So it's just an amazing testimony that when we're able to be unified and work together, we can do so much more um, to advance his kingdom here in this community. And the, uh, we also create awareness across the body. So um, the body of com- Christ is comprised of, you know, hands and feet. And um, we've been in the community for 14 years, so we've been able to learn a lot about the various partner churches that we have. And each church has their own uh, passions and ministries, so we're able to become knowledgeable about those various things and start to facilitate conversations uh, when a church comes to us and goes, hey, we're really passionate about this certain um, program or need and uh, we were just wondering if there's anything else out there and we're able to say yeah actually there's two other churches um, that are doing that exact program and we're able to help facilitate that conversation and just really communicate uh, the impact that uh, the churches are having and how God is moving through uh, the entire body of Christ so creating that awareness Um, The second way is leveraging resources. So most churches have limited resources, whether that be time, staff, or budgets. And so Love, Inc. acts as that extension of the church, um, almost like another staff person that really helps um, to to verify needs. And so we average um, currently about 600 phone calls of need per month. And, um, and it's really neat because we're able to be kind of the, the front lines. We have amazing call center volunteers, uh, some of them I see out here in the audience, and uh, they get to be the front lines of answering those phone calls and having that conversation with that individual on the other end, um, asking them what, what the need is, um, making sure that it is a legitimate need. Um, we we want to make sure to um, protect the churches as well. There are some individuals, very few, um, that might go to church to church to church to um, see if they can get resources, and then instead, the church is able to refer them to us, and we're able to say, actually, um, we we know, uh, we're aware that you have also asked other churches uh, for this resource, and we're able to have kind of that hard conversation with them, saying that there is another way. Um, So that's leveraging resources. And the third thing is, and the most amazing thing, I think, is just being able to offer hope, help, and a hand up uh, for individuals in need. Like I said, we get to kind of be um, that the front line of being able to answer those phone calls of individuals who are desperate, who are hopeless. Um, and they call just oftentimes in tears. 
um, ashamed of having to ask for help. And uh, the, we get to answer those phone calls and say, nope, you know what? You are loved. You are valued. You have things to contribute because they've been told the exact opposite growing up all their life. So they, they don't have value. They don't have worth. And so we're able to combat that um, in addition to offer prayer. It's been amazing to also see the amount of individuals who want prayer. About nine out of ten individuals who call um, allow us to pray for them. We've had a couple uh, ladies who have called back just out of um, of saying, hey, um, could you pray for me again? Because whatever you prayed worked. And so it's just that that, that initial um, amazing connection that God just opens the doors uh, through prayer and through being able um, to meet needs. So we, are, we strive to want to be uh, a ministry that helps with hands up, not just a handout. But oftentimes, um, God allows that handout, that transaction, to be the doorway to a deeper conversation and that initial start to a relationship. So how we're able to um, do that is through our various gap ministries. So we have 19 different gap ministries. And what gap ministries are, we've looked around the community and assessed current programs and um, services that are already existing because we do not want to duplicate effort, but we see those gaps in need, hence the gap ministry, and we're able to rally the churches around those needs, um, and then we're able to, to refer uh, those individuals out to the churches to have their need met, and then to also uh, start having that deeper conversation. Um, two of the gap ministries that are actually ministries of Northwest Hills are Loads of Love, um, and also the, the linen ministry. And so here's the, the Loads of Love program here. And uh, it's just been an amazing ministry. Uh, it's currently at Southside Suds in Southtown. And as you all might know, uh, Southtown is a disadvantaged area in our community. And by having Loads of Love there on the first and third Wednesdays of every month, um, just seeing the transformation, even in the environment, uh, the, the staff, the attendance there. Um, oftentimes, young girls, um, they said that their favorite days are when we're there because they feel safe and secure. Um, they've also noticed how the laundromat becomes a little bit more busy on those days. Right, Chelsea? Um, <laughs> and and I, I think it has a large amount to do with what God is doing through that ministry there. Being able to, um, the analogy of somebody having uh, their dirty clothes like their bag and it's in it's in a trash bag and they're bringing their dirty clothes to lawn, the laundromat and that analogy of um that might be what it is for their life they they have shame and they have guilt and they have this dirty laundry and baggage and we're able through this ministry um to be able to come alongside and help them do their laundry literally <laughs> and um, and help them fold their laundry and just really encourage that individual and offer prayer. Um, oftentimes, we get to reach out to not only the people that are signed up, but the entire laundromat. So it's amazing just being able to see the, the change um, that's happening there through that ministry. Chelsea Henson is currently our AGAP ministry coordinator there. So uh, And it's worked kind of through our small groups currently, and that's been happening too, since September. Um, so we'll, in a little bit, I'll tell you how to get plugged in with that. Um, another quick story, just because I have to tell it because it just happened on Friday, was um, this, this story of this lady. I'll 
call her Aggie. Um, So she had called our call center and was really reluctant to receive help. Um, She first wanted to um, receive help with a hygiene basket, and uh, but she was really reluctant and and very shameful of asking, and um, so we were able to to connect her with that. Um, a little while later, she called in desperation because her her water heater had gone out, and um, and we were able to then call Home Depot and ask them if they might be able to donate a water heater for this lady. So they went and installed a water heater, so um, that was wonderful and really um, allowed us to, to minister to Aggie. And uh, so this church that has been working with her, um, I, like I said, this lady is super independent. She, a couple of months later after that, she was on a roof cleaning off debris and fell off her roof. And at that point, she recognized how much she did actually need help. And so that church that we referred her to, that community, uh, really surrounded her and brought her um, flowers, brought her soup. Uh, We would call her. um, We had faithful volunteers who called her on a weekly basis. And her response to us was, I didn't think people would care if I was alive or dead. And um, so that was a wonderful thing to to continue to build relationship. And then this past Friday, we got a call from the pastor, and she had um, he he was just saying how she has really been struggling with depression, a deep deep depression. And um, so he himself, as well as another lady who had been working closely with her, um, we're going to go meet her on Friday and just to talk and encourage her. And um, then we got a phone call on Friday evening um, saying that Aggie accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And um, yes, so, uh, so uh, yeah, the staff and I, when they were going to meet, we just gathered and prayed for her because we knew the long journey. Uh, that that she had come and how far she had come and so it's just such an honor and privilege to be able to to serve in this capacity with all of these amazing volunteers uh, working to truly make a change in these individuals lives and and this church it was such a amazing example of them truly coming to the aid of this um, lady and and being Christ to her and her then making that decision thus the transformation coming so um, a couple prayer requests that, that we have is uh, the first one is to continue to give us vision on how we can best love and serve our city um, in a very intentional way. Like I said, we're, we're at the city table having those conversations um, with city leaders. So how can we really uh, love, love and serve them um, and, and identify those needs um, the second would be for continued uh, provision with, with volunteers and finances and all of those things. Um, it's, it's a privilege of ours to be able to um, do what we do in this community. And when I talk about we, I'm talking the big we, uh, the big C church. And it's such a, a blessing to um, serve in this way. And then the last thing is I'm going to talk about a, little, a few on-ramps, as Tom likes to call them. And um, I think we have a slide there, if you can read it. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so getting involved. Like I said, the Loads of Love Laundry Program, um, if you want to get involved with that, you can contact Chelsea Henson. And uh, we'll be out there at the table um, 
as well if you'd like to have your small group sign up um, for this upcoming April because there are spots open for that. And uh, we also receive donations for that, like laundry soap and quarters and that type of thing. Um, the second is the, the linen ministry. So Tanya is actually the coordinator uh, for that as well. And uh, through various referrals, um, a lot of times we get referrals from the international students or international ministries. And uh, we hear of families who come to this community with nothing but the clothes on their back. And uh, they're in apartments with literally nothing there. And so we're able to help uh, provide warm blankets and things uh, for them and make connections with other agencies around town to make sure that they they get furniture and uh, they get various things that they need. So being Christ in that way. So if you'd like to help with that. And the third thing is the Love Corvallis event. I don't know if you've heard of this as well, um, but it is an um, event, which is just that unified front, loving and serving our community. And so this is just an ex- another expression of that. Uh, at Love Inc., we get to do this every day. So Love Corvallis, it's biannual, and it's happening on April 11th. So if you're interested in that, go to lovecorvallis.com, and you'll find all the various projects uh, that we, the church, get to do to love and serve our community. And then the last and final thing is the Love Inc. Regional Conference. Um, So today you learned a little bit about Love Inc. and and who we are and what we do in this community. And uh, the Love Inc. Regional Conference on on Friday is open to the community. And it's just another opportunity for you all to find out what God is doing either from the larger movement. Uh, Love Inc. is actually a national ministry, and there's 157 affiliates uh, nationwide working to just bring unity to the churches and love and serve our communities. And so that's another opportunity if you want to find out more. So thank you so much again for for your time. Thanks, Corey. Thank you. So if any of this stirs you up, just uh, go out and connect with Corey uh, after the service. Uh, there's another city within our city. Uh, you know, often we can say this is another world going up on campus. And so uh, Jordan Heater has become a friend, works with Frontiers. On his way overseas, you're going to be one of those guys going out there, Jordan. But right now you're right here. So share what's going on in your world. Thanks. Great. How you doing? You hanging in there? Are you drinking from the fire hose? <laughs> kind of, okay, just find one thing, okay, and do that, okay? One, Talk to one person or something, okay? Um, really quick about Love, Inc. I'm thankful for Love, Inc. Um, because my wife Jamie and I, um, through Love, Inc., got connected with this Muslim family from Iraq who um, moved here. And like she said, they have an empty apartment. <laughs> they have nothing. And uh, for one reason or another, the money that was supposed to be sent from their country has not been sent. So they're, <laughs> what do we do? So um, And through that, especially... Jamie, my wife, has formed a great relationship with the mom and um, sharing Bible stories with them. And yeah, so we like them. Um, my name's yeah, like you said, Jordan Heater. Um, I work with Frontiers. Um, you want to go ahead and go to the next slide there? No, well, pictures, great. Um, Frontiers, what we do, we train and send people overseas to work with Muslims um, to show them. There we go. To show them the love of Christ, and to uh, make disciples among them. So just a couple of things you can pray for, Frontiers. I think we're going to have a prayer time at the end here, just so you know. So try and store these somewhere in the back of your mind. Um, ask God to uh, raise up laborers, long-term Christian workers from this city, this region, who would go to the Muslim world, to places like uh, India. Yes, there's Muslims in India. <laughs> Sudan, um, the Arab Gulf, Middle East, 
the Caucasus, Southeast Asia, Indonesia, places like that, Bangladesh. And then also ask as we're going about that business that God would enable us to plant churches among Muslims here in Corvallis. We'd love to see some uh, Iranian background churches, some Iraqi background churches, um, some Libyan background churches here in Corvallis. So pray for those things for us. Um, Anyhow, Tom asked me to share about some opportunities with international students. So uh, pay attention uh, if that catches your interest, okay? Um, First, let me share a quick story. Um, I did not intend to get involved with international students at all. That was never a desire of mine, really. Um, But then I studied abroad in Spain for a term. Um, And when I came back, all of a sudden, I wanted to meet Spanish-speaking international students to continue to learn Spanish, to, to grow my Spanish. Maybe there's some fear there that I would lose it, too. So um, in the process, I wound up at this thing called Free Lunch for International Students. How many of you have heard of that? Okay, it still goes on. This was five years ago, six years ago. Wow. Uh, it's been a while. Um, still happening on Wednesdays. They do this Free Lunch for Internationals. So I went there. I met this uh, Spanish guy, Roberto, and... Um, was so excited because he was from the city I had studied in, in Spain. Wow. <clears throat> we could talk about all the places, the beach. Problem was, I could never get him to sit still long enough to actually spend time with me. <laughs> so we became Facebook friends. I don't know if he found me or I found him. but um, And I was trying, hey, let's hang out. Hey, let's hang out. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing against him, if any of you know Roberto. But um, Anyway, he finally on Facebook invited me to his birthday party. Yes, that's my chance. I'm getting in there. I'm going to be his friend. Um, he lived with a bunch of international students. So me and my roommate went. It was like Friday night. We had nothing to do. We went over there. And, um, of course, it's his party, so everyone's talking to him. He's running around. He's just a social butterfly kind of guy, just buzzing around. And uh, so I couldn't, again, couldn't get in a word with him. But then uh, the drinking games start, uh, beer pong and such things. And so my roommate and I are on the sidelines, uh, <laughs> not participating. Um, and so is his Saudi Arabian Muslim roommate, Walid. Muslims aren't supposed to drink alcohol. So um, we're watching the activities here. <laughs> and um, uh, my roommate strikes up a conversation with Walid from Saudi Arabia. Because my roommate happens to be taking Arabic classes at OSU. So they're talking. And... and God's just kind of whispering to me. It took me about 15, 20 minutes before I finally was paying attention. But God's just saying, Jordan, Jordan, you're trying to, you're trying to befriend this guy who's, he's got a hundred friends. And here's someone who's actually looking for friends who's, doesn't know the good news, doesn't know Jesus. So it took me a while, but finally I directed my attention to Walid. We started talking to him. He was looking for friends. He wanted to practice English. He wanted to learn guitar. <clears throat> I play guitar. We became friends. I, my first Muslim friend, first Muslim I'd ever talked to in my life. <clears throat> and um, so pretty naturally, as often happens with Muslims, <clears throat> we got into religious or spiritual conversations about the Bible and the Quran. And <clears throat> I just have to say I was so rude, and I didn't even know it. I, was, <laughs> I insulted everything that was ever precious to him without even realizing it. Um, so we talked for hours and I just would, it was just going nowhere, not getting anywhere. 
So finally, I broke down and said, I need some help. So I started asking around, does anybody know how to talk with Muslims? <laughs> does anybody know how to share with them this awesome good news that we have of the kingdom of God? I didn't say it that way then, but as I expressed. So um, what I started learning was that I was doing everything wrong, and I was being really rude, <laughs> and I was not honoring him. I was not honoring the things that were uh, precious to him. So I apologized to Walid. We're still friends. He totally forgave me. Thank you, God, for letting him forgive me. We played soccer. We hung out. Uh, and through playing soccer, which still happens on campus too, lots of internationals there if you like soccer, uh, I met many other Muslims. And through that, one day I was playing soccer with my friend David. And uh, we were just catching up. He's an old friend. I hadn't seen each other in a while. And we finished playing soccer, so we're taking off our shin guards and cleats and everything. And we're just catching up. And most people are kind of trailing off, leaving one by one. And this one, uh, Hamad, from Saudi Arabia also, was a uh, kind of quiet guy, didn't say much. Uh, he was one of the last few there. So I just started asking him some questions. Where are you from? Have you just gotten here? What are you studying? Um, just basic kind of questions. He just kind of answered quickly, briefly, that's it. I ran out of questions, and our cleats and chin guards were off. We were ready to go. So I just said, well, Hamad, can I just pray for you and ask that God would bless your time here, you'd just gotten here, so that God would give you friends and you'd learn well and do well in English and language. And he said, okay. So I just prayed a simple little prayer. God, you know, bless him. Amen. All of a sudden, Hamad wanted to know me. He said, can I get your phone number? It's kind of awkward, actually. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Give him my phone number. I'd love to, I'd, can, I'd, I want to be your friend. I, I want to get together. Okay. Hamad turned out to be such a seeker. Uh, of God, and um, gave him a Bible in Arabic. We talked about it was it was much different than with Walid. He, he was so hungry for spiritual things. That's what he wanted to talk about. He'd hang out with other a lot of believers that I introduced him to, and um, he got to see us love people, love strangers, pray for people on the streets and stuff. He was really impacted by that, and I'm hoping to hang out with him again soon. So, all that to say, <laughs> um, God can really use. Uh, you and this. Um, there's people who just want a friend, want a conversation partner. That's one of the opportunities here. Um, so can you see those? Okay, they're bigger over here. So one of the things we do with Frontiers is this four-week Bible study to learn more about missions and Muslims, especially if you feel like God might be calling you overseas or to work with Muslims. Come talk to me about this. I'll be out there. Um, you can become a conversation partner with international students. Uh, you could join the Welcoming Internationals team here at Northwest Hills. Heather Doty, if you know her. How many of you know Heather? There she is. She'll be out there too. Um, there's a team here that does this stuff. That's great. Uh, come to a training. I'm hosting a couple of trainings um, Saturday, March 28th. That's this coming Saturday out in Lebanon. And then Tuesday, April 7th, somewhere here on Corvallis, uh, for how to better engage with Muslims, how to talk with Muslims more effectively and honor them and not be rude like I was, okay? Um, there's an Understanding Islam workshop coming up in Eugene in, uh, on April 18th. Um, it's actually a Saudi Muslim guy who has come to faith in Christ, and he's telling his story and helping to kind of explain what's going on with ISIS and all the crazy stuff going on in the world and what can we, how can we respond as followers of Jesus, okay? Um, there's an International Moms and, Baby, Moms and Babies group. I guess they meet on Thursday afternoons, so you could provide child care for that. That would be a way to get involved. You could assist with an English conversation group. There's several of those happening throughout the week in the city. 
Um, you could drive Chinese visiting scholars to a Bible study on Tuesday nights. So these are just some, okay, some plug-in opportunities. Um, or you could help prepare a meal for, as I mentioned, the free lunch on Wednesdays. Continues to happen every term. Um, and, yeah, they need people to provide food. So um, There's a few others that didn't make it on the PowerPoint, but there are hiking trips. There's other kind, Right now, actually, a bunch of people are up in Washington with international students for spring break. Um, there's a furniture giveaway maybe some of you have heard of every fall. It's a great opportunity. Hundreds of internationals come. And then a lot of international students are looking for housing. I keep, just last week I met a Libyan student who asked me, do you know any families that I could live with, an American family? I'd like. So really a lot of students are wanting that. They want it close to campus, but um, if they'll be flexible, they may um, go from campus if they have a car or something. Okay? The fire hose. All right. So next... Um, yeah, so if you're interested, please, there's a lot of opportunities there. Come talk to uh, Heather or I out in the, in the lobby. There's a welcoming internationals table and then well, the frontiers table as well. Come talk to us if you're interested. We'll get you plugged in with what's the right fit for you, okay? Thank you. Thanks, man. Good. Well, one more uh, fire hose to bring up. Matt, why don't you step up here? Uh, there's another city within our city. You know, you just drive across the river, Mary's River, and you're in another world. Uh, we call it Southtown. Uh, so Matt is with Southside Youth Outreach, also is uh, pioneering a ministry called Redeem My City for uh, the youth of our city. Just a great guy. Matt, glad you're in our house. Well, thank you. Um, get set up here. and uh, Man, so many... Uh, so many fantastic ways to get involved, so many needs. Um, uh, Lord, don't let us be overwhelmed to where we don't engage in one, at least. Um, so, um, my name is Matt Kimmel, and I, I also grew up in Corvallis here, um, and uh, faithful beaver believer through the good times and the bad. Um, and... Uh, we, uh, my family's been involved in this city um, and just helping in different ways, going to church here. And, um, and I think, first of all, just from uh, my own heart, just thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for um, opening uh, your doors um, to let um, us talk to you and, and share with you and share our hearts with you. Um, I think it speaks, you know, Tom talked about city unity, and I think one, one of the hugest things is that um, I mean, I attended a, a training in Dallas for a, something called Christian Association of Youth Mentoring, and um, there was not one, there, were, there was ten different organizations represented there, but there was only one there from Dallas, um, and they said there was no way that, um, there was no way that multiple churches would get together to do something like this. Um, and I told them, I got to speak to them about the city unity we have here, and it just floored them. Um, it, it was, it was, you know, it just, it, it, they couldn't understand it. Um, so it's a privilege to be here with you guys. Um, Tom mentioned something called Redeem My City. I'm just going to throw that out there real quick. Redeem My City is a movement started by some youth pastors um, to unite the students of Corvallis um, to redeem all areas of life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, we've had a couple of events 
Um, last October, we had an event. Um, there was over 400 students there um, and charged, um, ready to go out for the next school year, this last school year, um, and redeem areas of life for Jesus. And so um, if you're interested in that, you can check out redeemmy.city. Um, and uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, I do want to say there's been a, a lot of people from this congregation who have partnered with Southside Youth Outreach. Um, I'm going to go on to talking about Southside Youth Outreach now. And um, there's been uh, a lot of cooks. Um, I know Andy's here, and, and, and I think I saw Jan somewhere. Um, and uh, and I know there's been crews, and uh, Terry White has come. And um, and our, our actually our entire... Um, feeding program is head up, headed up by um, Barb Pearson. Um, you want to talk about someone uh, who, uh, who serves in a capacity that, that doesn't get recognition. Barb Pearson, um, one of the most incredible servants um, I know, and I'm humbled by her service. Um, Keith Lampy has, has brought a team over multiple times to help. I know some of the men um, have been involved in that. and um, Thank you so much. Um, I know, you know, the times you come over and, and, and it's serving, but I just, I have to tell you, um, it's so humbling every time people want to engage because um, there's times when you just feel there's, there's things on your heart you want to accomplish, but you feel helpless to do it. And then when someone comes alongside and, and the Lord sends someone, it's God's grace um, in a tangible form. Um, and, it's, and it's very sweet. Um, the unity in this city is incredible. Over the years, we've had over 25 congregations involved in helping Southside Youth Outreach happen. Um, Southside Youth Outreach is a, is a partner organization with a church called Southside Community Church. It's a very small little community. I'm, I'm on staff. I'm one of the pastors there. Um, and, and we have maybe 60 adults there. It's Like I said, it's small. Um, half of the adults, though, came because... The kids came through the programs, went into their homes, told the parents about the gospel, and that's how the parents came to know Jesus. Um, and so that's what we're about. We're about um, raising up little missionaries into these homes. And, and, and it's called Southside Youth Outreach, but you know it probably should just be called Southside Outreach because it's not just a youth. It's family-oriented. Um, and we want to see um, kids not just given opportunities, but we want to see families redeemed. We want to see families restored. Um, and so some of the opportunities um, to be involved in, there's different um, things that we do. One called Tuesday Club. It's kind of our main program. We have anywhere from 90 to, on a big night, it'll be 125 kids um, come through. And, and Barb will make sure there's a crew there to feed them. And you can see some of the pictures there. And we'll do science experiments with them that communicate some aspect of the gospel. Um, we do, like, you ever taken Diet Coke and Mentos, right? Okay, well, they call, we actually call them resurrection power pills and talk about the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now at work within you, you know, and then we let the kids go launch these Diet Cokes, you know, and it's fantastic. But um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to find relevant ways to connect kids with the gospel. Tuesday night is is explicitly gospel, and, and we're unashamed about that. Monday through Friday, we do an after-school program that is it is focused on academics and enrichment, and we're allowed to be partnered with the schools because of it. Um, and we don't actually do any gospel presentation right there explicitly. We do gospel presentation through loving them. And um, and then uh, we, we provide um, anywhere from 30 to 35 kids on a given day um, 
with, with homework help, with um, social skills, with emotional help. Um, we feed them a meal every single day. Um, um, Barb, once again, helps head that up. And so what's incredible is that there's quite a few kids that actually they get, the, they get their meals from breakfast at school, lunch at school, and then dinner at Southside. Um, I've had a kid walk up to me, and, um, and it's funny when, when, you have, when you're working with these kids because um, very traumatic things to us become things that they just have to laugh about. It's, it's, a, it's a mechanism to deal with it. Um, and, he, and he was kind of joking around about it, but he said, um, my family got a, a, a box from the food bank, um, but my mom took it upstairs and all her friends ate it, and, and none of my brothers or sisters got to eat um, any of it. And so, you know, and he was just laughing about that. And I, I'm like, I can't laugh about that. That's horrific. Like, you've got to be joking me. Um, and so some of the families we work with, they'll trade uh, food stamps for drugs. Um, some of the families we've worked with, um, I've, I've worked with a family that had prostituted their daughter for drugs. Um, it's pretty incredible the um, the pain that that is there. Um, and Corvallis, unfortunately, kind of tucks it away. Um, it's something that, you know, we we all do this with our yards. We put up the fences so we don't see the the part that we, we can't get to or the part that's just overgrown, right? Um, and so um, I think last year, Barb is probably going to correct me, but I'm, I'm, I know it's over 6,000. I thought it was 8,000 meals we served last year um, to, to kids in need. Um, and we do summer programs. I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers during the summer doing internships. They actually get high school credit. Um, they get job internships. They've done landscaping. They've, they've helped at, um, at Trimble. Uh, uh, used to be called Tripod Data Systems. Um, auto, um, auto repair shops. We give kids hands-on experience in those things, helping them get um, you know, valuable life lessons while trying to disciple them along the way. Um, and um, we also partner with Corvallis School District to do something called Southtown Summer School. Um, last year we had 186 students registered. We had to turn away 30 because we didn't have capacity for it. Um, and, and this is the only active summer school in the community now. Um, and so we've got, we've got kids from different schools coming, trying to come into it. Um, it's put on in the morning by um, certified teachers doing core um, classes, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic stuff. And then in the afternoon, it's, it's, um, it's handled mostly by volunteers and mostly by volunteers in the faith community, um, people that really like to sew, so they do a sewing class, or people that, um, you know, we've got a guy that played football um, for a practice squad in the NFL, so he does football class, and, and we've got a guy that... Um, that really loves to talk about nutrition, so he like shows them how to do all these different things you can do with nutrition. And um, wherever God has gifted you, um, there's opportunity. And so um, the, the the neat thing about that is we get to go to the school district and and they go, how, well, how do you do this for fifty thousand dollars cheaper than what we could do? I said, well, we actually we actually go into the community and there's there's hundreds and even thousands of people who love this city. And, and underlying it all, they love Jesus. And they get the opportunity to come and to show that through these different areas. Um, and so it's made an impact on the school district, definitely. Um, and I want to say the, the big reason why we do all of this stuff, um, Psalm 68.6 in the New Living Translation says that God sets the lonely in families. And... Uh, 
and that's the gospel message is that um, we who were apart from Christ and from God, that he came to redeem us, right? And so we see this as a tangible outpouring of the gospel. Um, we see that when we take a kid in, even if they are not thankful, even if they are not um, reciprocating that love, that's the same way that we have been loved, that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us, right? Um, and so he sets the lonely in families. And I want to tell you just um, two real quick things. Um, we had a, Six years ago, we had a little boy um, in our after-school program. It was the first year of our after-school program. We had three or four kids. We didn't have the feeding program going, but we were trying to give kids some food, and we didn't, you know, we were trying to get these things going, and uh, we had a little boy named Trenton there, and, and it was a Friday, and he was the only boy that, he was the only child that showed up for the after-school program, um, and so I was there, and uh, the volunteer there was my future wife, and um, lucky me, I got to show off my uh, fatherly skills to this boy, you know. Um, it was it was for the boy, okay? It wasn't because, you know. Um, so we're sitting there, and uh, instead of doing kind of tray style, go through the line, we decided, you know what, there's only one kid. There's just the three of us. Let's just sit down. Let's have a family style. And so we we bring the food out and, you know, onto the table, um, and we, you know, set out play settings and different things like that, and we sit down with him. And he's sitting there, and, and the kid had the biggest eyes to begin with. I mean, He's like, he's got these massive eyes, and he's just adorable, but he's got these massive eyes, and he's looking around at us and just kind of like really doesn't know what to do, um, and so he immediately just starts grabbing for things, and the kid is uh, six years old at this point, you know, and so he's just grabbing for things, and um, and, and was, hold on, Trenton, you know, just settle down, and um, and so we started to just serve him, and we served him the food, and we passed plates around, and all right, Trenton, can you help serve the beans over here or whatever we were eating, and um, and so he's sitting there and, and he's eating, but he's eating like there's something wrong. He just, he's just so uncomfortable. And so, um, what I do is I, I turn to him and I said, uh, you know, how's your day going? And, and he's, he just gives short, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm, okay. You know, and then I ask him, I said, um, Trenton, have you ever sat down and had dinner with your family around a table before? And he looks at me, he's like, no, I don't know what to do. And, and I said, what's dinner time look like? He says, well, um, we try, you know, my brothers and sister, we try to go and try to find something in the cabinet or in the fridge, um, but we just eat whatever we can and just go grab it and then eat in front of the TV. Um, and I said, so you've never sat down at a table and just eaten a meal with your family? And he's, no, never. Um, and those simple little things have such a strong impact in these kids' lives and in these families' lives. And so um, I think the, the biggest thing that I could say is that we're trying to bring about the glory of God. Jesus prayed. Um, he taught us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, we're trying to just be obedient to that. And, and we just want to invite you, if there's something that God stirs in your heart, whether it's international, whether it's Love, Inc., whether it's I want to come and share a meal with a kid, I want to come tutor a kid, I want to come um, mentor a kid, I want to come and, and, and help fix a play structure, um, whatever we can be doing to bring the kingdom of God 
on earth as it is in heaven. Let's do that. Amen. All right. Just wonderful stories. Uh, like Mark and the worship team, if you uh, come forward, we just want to close with a season in prayer. Um, going to put a one slide up on screen. This is what we're going to pray for ourselves. This is out of Colossians 4. And then we're going to actually pray over these individuals and these ministries that are here. But uh, let's just go and pray this for ourselves first, shall we? Lord, I just want to say I know these individuals have been alongside them, but uh, I've really heard things this morning that are new to me. You've stirred me, Lord, right here in this last hour to, to see this place, Corvallis, in a different way. We invite you, Lord, in these moments to to stir our hearts, to devote ourselves afresh to prayer, to pray for an increase of your kingdom in our own city, and open doors of opportunity. Uh, Lord, every one of us sitting here, chosen by you, empowered by you, is on mission. And we ask you, Lord of the harvest, to open doors of opportunity for us to touch needy lives that we mix and mingle with every day. At Freddy's, Winco, restaurants, classrooms, workplaces. You have assignments for each one of us every day. And so it's not out there, but we're understanding this morning it's right here. And... Um, so, Lord, open those opportunities. Reveal your assignments for each one of us. And bring an increase of your kingdom in Corvallis and Benton County. Amen. Now, I want to ask the three of these, uh, Matt, maybe you go down over here, just in this spot. And any that work with Matt, any engage with Love Inc. at any level, that could be Barb and Jim. Jan Baggett, if you're here. Matt, would you stand uh, right here in the aisle? Um, and then, Corey, if you go down right here center, you'd step down there. And then Jordan off to the side over here. So any that are involved with, with Love, Inc., get here with Corey. Any with Southside and Matt Ministry, any that uh, have a heart for students, uh, Heather, for sure, come on over. And um, I want to just pray as we gather around these. And let's do some wraparound prayer. Others, two or three that are close to Corey, that are close to Matt, would you just get up out of your seats? Let's all stand as we close. Just get out of your seats and kind of wrap around these ministries. And this is what we're going to pray, what we see on screen. And this is the Apostle Paul saying, look, you know, I don't have any power within myself, but uh, we pray for an increase of the message of hope, the message of redemption. And uh, friends, as we gather at the close here, I'm just going to pray, God, bring forth fruit increased fruit uh, in South Corvallis through broken families in needy people that Love Inc. is touching 600 calls a month. Uh, Lord, as you're moving on the campus, would you bring an increase of harvest among Saudis and Iraqis? So, Father, we are asking this morning that this would not just be an inspirational uh, service, but, uh, God, that you 
by the power of your Holy Spirit, working through the unity of the leaders of the city, of the congregations, working through a, a culture of prayer that we've built together, uh, or that you would touch more lives. And, Lord, that you would engage many more of us standing here as we close this morning to get involved and to be on mission. So we just invite you to do that work that only you can do. As we close uh, with worship, let's just kind of linger. And, um, and those of you that are huddled around uh, these servants and these ministries, just continue to pray and believe that God is going to open some fresh doors of opportunity. Amen.